Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. This episode of HR Oxygen is brought to you by Boss Builders University. If you're looking to train up your non-managers and individual contributors, please check out our newest offering, The Art of Being a Great Teammate. In this 12-month program, we'll be taking your employees through a wide range of topics, which include communication, how to manage your boss, how to get results without authority, customer service, problem-solving, decision-making, and much more. The sessions are virtual, running one hour each month, and we'll do it using our popular sketch and seminar, graphic art and storytelling format. No boring PowerPoints, stale stories, and outdated tools and techniques. The sessions are engaging and provide tactical, practical tools that can be used immediately after the sessions. You can either have your entire organization take our program, or if you have just a few folks, join one of our open enrollment cohorts that start every other month. For more information, visit us online at thebossbuilders.com. If you're like most HR professionals these days, your biggest challenge is getting enough workers. There seems to be far too many open positions for far few candidates. It's a real challenge. Well, I don't know what else to do except try to get you some resources that might help, and so I found someone I think is going to have some of the answers that you seek. Rhonda Petit is the author of The Spirit of Selling, Using Universal Laws for Sales Success. She's the CEO of 3x5 Coaching, and when we talked together, she laid out a pretty good case for sales being the key to recruit. From the start to the finish, the process that she uses in selling products is one that I firmly believe can help you attract and keep the best quality candidates. Lots of great information in this talk. I'd encourage you to reach out after we're done because I think she's someone who could really help and I think the book will be a real benefit to you as well. So let's quit talking about Rhonda. Let's talk to her. You know what time it is. Let's go ahead and make sure that personal item is tucked underneath that seat in front of you. Make sure that seatbelt is fastened low and across your hips. It's time for us to taxi to the runway. Should the cabin lose pressure, oxygen masks will drop from the overhead area. Please place the mask over your own mouth and nose before assisting others. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast, the show focused on the overworked, overwhelmed, and underappreciated HR professional. And now, here is the host of our show, the boss builder, Mac Monroe. Rhonda Petit, welcome to the show. Thank you. Excited to be here, Mac. I'm glad we could chat today. So Rhonda, you are the author of the book, The Spirit of Selling, Using Universal Laws for Sales Success. And my audience is probably wondering, why are we talking about sales when we have other problems that we're wrestling with? Like, number one, how do we get enough people to do the jobs that we have open? But it seems to me that sales is exactly the skill sets that they are lacking and probably need. So I'm excited to hear about the ideas you may have for our target audience. But before we get to that, Rhonda, I was hoping you could share something about your background because it is not primarily human resources, is it? It's not, it's not. <laughs> I started in selling when I was 21 years old, B2B, working for a chemistry, a chemical company. And the reason I got into sales, I was a chemistry major, is because I love people like HR and I wanted to really get into the business side of things. And I have loved it so much that I've never left. I've been doing it for 37 years. And I've worked predominantly my 
the sector that I worked in is in the science field with either life sciences or medical devices. And I decided to go out on my own in 2019 and start my own business in, in coaching sales B2B professionals and really helping them that if they, if they hit any kind of a plateau, they're usually stuck for a variety of reasons. And I work with them really to unleash and empower and activate their true potential inside by understanding their mind, getting order with their mind, as well as order with their sales processes. So with sales, you're, in your prior life, you were in selling scientific solutions. Was that what you were selling and coaching people to sell? Yes. Okay. So I'm interested too, where your subtitle of your book says using universal laws for sales success. What are those laws? So there are seven universal laws that all tie in together and they are the law of perpetual transmutation, which basically states we become what we think about. So what we call, where we concentrate our energy, that there's a thinking stuff and our thoughts are very powerful. And when we hold pictures of thoughts for an extended period of time, those come into form. There's a law of vibration, which all human beings speak. It states that everything's always moving to and from, and we're all putting out frequencies. And that's also how you get the law of attraction that works under that law of vibration. Uh, there's a law of polarity that everything has duality in life, a positive and a negative. The question is which, which end of the pole are you focused on? There's the law of rhythm that compensates. So in businesses and trends in the world, um, we have ups and downs, peaks and valleys. And when you learn how to really understand the law of rhythm and make it work for you, you can get in the flow. There's a law of gestation, which means that you, you know everything has a gestation period before it comes into creation right so if you plant a tomato seed it's 80 days a carrot might take 35 so all of your ideas and all of the things that your business do any all creation has different times space that it needs before it comes into form well so Rhonda, when you coach salespeople how, how do most of your clients come to you? Because I'm thinking in my mind, sales is one of the toughest things to do and the things that I would avoid probably almost more than anything else. And yet I have talked to salespeople and when I've had a conversation with a few, I says, you know, hey, there's a phone sitting there and you have to make a cold call. What goes through your mind? And a true salesperson says, I can't wait to pick that thing up. It's like a Twinkie. I just can't wait to pick it up and make that call. Those are people that love this field, but for many of us, and myself included, sales is the thing that we're probably not good at, and we don't really wanna do it because we don't really like to do it, and yet we actually have to do it. That tends to be the audience that we talk about in our podcast, which in many cases are HR professionals that work in recruiting. So knowing all that, how can we take what you coach salespeople on and Take it to somebody who may not be a willing candidate, like they have to do it, but they're not excited to do it. That's really where I want us to focus our time together today, because I think that's an important function of what HR has to do these days. Well, I think the first thing you can do, the easiest thing to do is change your perception on the way you view selling. 
Because as Wayne Dyer says, when we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. Would you agree? Okay. So one of the biggest misconceptions people have about selling is they think it's a form of being a con artist, which is absolutely not true. Where does that, where does that perception come from though? Well, a lot of it is things you heard when you were a kid, maybe you had a parent that was in sales and they were away all the time and you didn't like that. Maybe Aunt Nellie told you don't uh, don't open the door and don't talk to that salesperson. They're they're that's they're you know, they had fear of it. It could be, you know, anybody told you, well, you don't want to go into in a career in sales, that's sleazy or whatever. I imagine if you don't have a good perception of selling salespeople, maybe you haven't met a lot of them. Maybe you had, you met a con artist and you didn't like them and you assumed that that's how all salespeople are, which is not true. Well, I look at it kind of like it's almost a blanket approach. So even on LinkedIn, when I get a connection request from somebody, and I hate to admit it here on the air, but if I see that they are into marketing, um, business solutions, I don't even want to accept the request because I fully expect within 15 minutes, I'm going to get a long sales pitch like, hey, you know, we have a list of curated leads that are guaranteed. And it's like, wow, we just met and you're already asking me to marry you. I mean, it's almost like that. There's no warm up to that. And I think the two or three examples you gave in addition to those set this expectation that sales can be a painful thing. And that's what I really hope that we can kind of change that perception. So what can we do to change that perception? Because I think that's going to be the key that unlocks the success of recruiting then. Well, my book is is right in alignment with your ask, Mac, because what I believe is that selling, I want to have selling change to be the ultimate buyer's experience. And when people have an understanding of how to sell by universal law and an understanding that selling is serving people, helping people with their transformations, then the buying experience will be totally different. Many people today think that they have to just make calls. They're making cold calls. They're not getting to know their audience in any way. And they don't even realize what they're selling. You know, people buy things based upon how it's going to make them feel. They don't buy your gadget or they don't buy your service. They buy how they're going to feel when they have it and how it's going to help them with their dream and their transformation. So a true professional sales rep is going to be totally focused on the client and trying to understand them. They may bring information to you that you don't know, but they do it in such a way that it's, they're not trying to push something on you. They're just trying to discover if they can help you. And you can pick that up. Have you ever had someone, Mac, that did sell you something and really did you a favor because they left you with an impression of increase? I have. And it's typically when it's sort of asked the way that you mentioned it. You know, what is the outcome that you're looking for? And then, oh, we happen to have this thing that can give that to you versus let me just pin you down and hold you down until you finally agree that you're like, please, I'll buy whatever it is just so you leave me alone, which is, I've also had that experience in sales as well. Well, that's force, not power. And that's not service in someone's transformation. Let, let me give you the distinction and why people get confused in misconception. 
if you drew a Venn diagram between a con artist and a sales pro, where they would intersect is they're very good persuaders. But a con artist objection is to get something from you. A sales pro's intention is to serve you and get give you something. So that's the difference. It's intention. Well, with that said, Rhonda, let's think about the recruiter that is trying to fill some open positions that have been open for a very long time, almost to the point where, you know, I just need a warm body, but my intent would be to have a skilled professional in there. How can a recruiter take your sales process, kind of thinking through those laws, those universal laws, who are they going to try to attract by that experience? Is it going to be the candidate that they're going to have to communicate that to? How would that work? First, I'd really get clear on what you're selling, what the candidate can experience in that role and who is, you know, what are the values of that person? What are the skill sets of that person? And where's the most likely place that I could track that person down? And then I have to get his, his or her attention, right? So what is it about my company that I'm recruiting for that is going to entice that person to learn more? And I think I would start at the values because selling and recruiting, it's kind of like a circular process. When I, ha I have a lot of clients that I coach on how to find the job that they really love and sell themselves to an employer and, and really ask questions in that interview that are going to help them determine if the culture is a fit for them where they're, they can really grow and expand, right? And so if I'm a recruiter for a company, the same thing, I'm selling my company, you know, and, you know, the, vi the vibration, the good vibes of the company, the opportunity of the company to grow. Because if you look at an individual, when you're talking to a person, you're talking to three things. You're talking to a soul that wants to grow and expand. You're talking to an intellect that can reason. And then you're you're talking to the person, you know, the body in front of you, but people, you know, the soul wants growth and expansion opportunities. The intellect wants to be challenged with, you know, being able to learn things, do things, reason and feed the intellect. And if you look at the body, the, the body has freedom due to compensation. So if there's earning potentials, you know, they're going to, you know, they're going to want to know about all those different earning potentials that they can have inside your company. So you're trying to see if you can line up values and fit to those three needs. And that's really what you sell to. It almost seems like you're going to have a recruiter selling the company and a candidate selling themselves. Bingo. That seems like a pretty difficult, sort of, sort of difficult dance right there. So is it likely that we might have to interview a lot more candidates to find that perfect fit? because it seems like unless you're really lucky, that ideal person may not come knocking on your door. So I guess the question is, how do we go out and find those people that we're looking for? If we're gonna sell our culture, do we have to identify the type of person that would fit and find them where they're at? It's, you can, you probably, the best way to do it is to activate the law of attraction and what you expect you, you get. So the first thing I say is when you're selling something like your company in this position, get excited about what you're selling. Because when you put the good vibes out, you, you all, every, everything that you need is going to be attracted to you. It, yeah, just the best law to remember is that 
your feelings that go out come back to you. There's a law of cause and effect. That's the law of laws, right? The boomerang law. And so if I'm sitting there and I have this position, the first thing I'm going to do is look at all the good things about the position that I could tell the candidate, you know, whether it's the manager that you get to report to, the expansion opportunities in the company, um, the chance to really shine. Maybe you're going to, maybe it's a smaller company. You're going to wear multiple hats. You're going to get a lot of experience for your career. I'm going to get excited about and look for the good using the law of polarity of the position and then take that enthusiasm and excitement with fascination almost instead of frustration and go to the sources of where I can get people from, whether it's on LinkedIn or however you do your recruiting or where you go to look for your candidates and say, where can I find some more people to talk about that? And if you're excited and enthusiastic about the position, that enthusiasm and excitement is going to attract people back to you. Make sense or not? So it does. So one of, one of our challenges, it does make sense, is that we would have, we have companies who will go through the entire interview process, they will extend an offer, candidate will extend the offer, and then on the start date, they either don't show or they work for a couple of days and then they just disappear. Would you consider that maybe buyer's remorse that causes that? Because I know a lot of our, our audience struggles with that. It could be that most of the buyer's remorse comes in due to conditioning. So I want I want to share something really powerful for all of you out there that are listening. Remember that every human being on the planet is walking around with habitual thinking and conditioning. And when one goes to make a decision, it's like the old tale of three, three frogs on the log. I'll tell you one frog decided to jump and ask you how many are still on the log. And you might say two. But the truth is with a person, decision is a two-step process. Unless I told you that frog jumped into the water, took action, there's still three frogs on the log. So you're so translate that to your client. They got maybe rationally involved with coming to your company and accepting your position, but they didn't get emotionally involved in it so much that they're so excited they can't wait to start and they've decided they've cut. You know, they've cut the cord. Buyer's remorse happens when people think of things and they accept something. They tell you, yep, I'm going to do it. And they rationalize everything in their mind, but they never got emotionally involved in it. So if that happens to you, I would suggest that you work on activating that person's imagination more about how life's going to be when he comes to work in our company next week. This is what's going to happen. We can't wait to have you here. You get them totally involved emotionally in how they're going to achieve their desires that they want in their career. So when you first interview a client, I'd ask them three questions and I'll tell you why you're going to ask them these questions. What is it about our company that attracted you to have an interview with me? Because that's going to tell you that's going to tell you a secret about the desire of the person. So they're looking for something that three dimensional character is looking for something. They're either looking for growth and expansion that because they feel stymied where they are. They're looking for a challenge job, like something that's going to challenge their intellect and allow them to be engaged more. Or they're looking for maybe an opportunity where they can earn more money. 
so that they can do more things that they need to do in the life to experience what they want to experience for their family or whatever. You got to write that down. You got to get that in your head. You want to get that out of them with that first question. The second question you want to ask them is why is that important to you? And that's their motive. That's the thing that gets the frog to jump off the log. So you have to remember what, why is that important to them? Cause you're going to use that later when you, when at the end of the conversation, when you say, yeah, this is a fit man. I want this person. He's a great fit for us. You want him to want you. You want to tie back and remind him of his motive and what was important to him and why coming to work for you, he's going to get that. He or she's going to get that. And then the third thing is what if anything's been holding you back from finding that job or leaving the job you're in because you're obviously dissatisfied and when they tell you that, that's the conditioning that you're going to have to override with making the desire to come work for you more important than holding on into the comfort zone and security of the line of security blanket of status quo. So you're basically setting up the scene for what you will do, assuming the candidate is going to be a good fit and you extend the offer. So do you build on those that information you gathered in that interim time? Let's say their start date is two weeks from the end of the day they accepted the offer. Is that when you, do you put a campaign together to get them excited? How would you uh, I'd be calling that? them back the next day or saying, I, I wouldn't leave a big gap of two weeks and not contact them. I'd come up with excuses to, to call them. Let's say they accepted the offer on a Friday. I'd be calling them on Monday about their phone number and their business cards. I might be calling them Wednesday about, hey, here's the schedule. I might be calling them the following Friday, like, are we ready to rock and roll? We can't wait to have you. Did you make your plane reservations or whatever you have to do to get them there the first day? I'd be in close contact with them because the more that you're in contact with them, you keep transferring belief in like, oh, my God, these people love it. I mean, some people send flowers. Some people do, you know there's all kinds of things that you can get creative about to do. And then all of you out there, you can tell your boss, Hey, I got a system and it's working. And then you just increased your value to the corporation. You would. I'm wondering too, to the person who's listening that says, well, I mean, that's really great Rhonda, but I don't know if I have time to be pinging these people. Uh, my job is to catch the fish and you know get them farmed out to the market i don't really have time to babysit them through this two-week period of time what's your response to that how much time are you losing because you lost the fish well Rhonda, let me ask you a question that is pretty close to the area that you seem to thrive well in and that is the area of sales let's say that our company is looking for uh you know business development folks some sales folks what should we be looking at in our candidates in our process for that because that is that any different than let's say i'm hiring somebody to draw people's blood during the day is that different personally for me i've i've had to hire a lot of salespeople, and i always look for desire i want to make sure that somebody can come into that sales position and really grow and expand and thrive especially if they have a deep desire for more i mean most sales folks love nice clothes. They love to um, earn 
money. They they like to a lot of them like recognition. Others don't don't necessarily like recognition. But if they've got a desire to be the best that they can be and earn you know as much money as they can by rendering as much service as they can, you've got a hot one. And I think you know that you have to you know learning again it go back to those same three questions apply for a salesperson you know what is it about our company that interests you why is that important to you and what if anything has been keeping you in your existing position once the candidate has been hired and onboarded and they're functioning they're then they transition from being recruited in to now they're being managed what advice would you have to managers then once the baton is passed and the employee is now in the system to continue this and how long should we continue the dialogue until a, is until a person's completely settled or should it just continue i think it's an it's a continuous process the more when people feel that the manager is trying to understand their personal goals as well as their professional goals there's there's more commitment there's more glue there's more um investment in the person and to be honest your employees are your greatest capital assets that you have and the the more engaged you are in their professional and personal development as well as the you know the companies you're 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 basically making an investment for a future return and the more people feel valued respected and heard, then their loyalty increases, right? They want to go to a safe place where they don't have somebody with a gun up against their head, where they can grow and contribute. And you want to find out as much about them to make sure they're going to go into the, the role that they're best suited for, where they can share their gifts and grow them, right? Everyone has talents. And I think part of the problem is a lot of people take jobs just to take jobs that they don't love. And kind of simple, love what you do and do what you love, make sure the person's the right fit and they love to do what you're asking them to do. And if you do, you can't go wrong because think about it, everybody's gonna, that's in a high vibration is gonna create lots of things, right? All organizations need to create value for customers that they have. So when you get somebody excited to come to work that can create value and loves what they're doing, they're going to do a lot of good work and you're going to help grow the organization that way. Well, Rhonda, my audience who's listening now is probably asking, okay, I think we're going to need some help here. I uh, certainly would love to read the book, but I'd rather have Rhonda work with us directly. As we wind down our time together, Rhonda, what is the best way for someone to reach out to you for help? And how do we get a copy of that book? Great. Thank you. Um, my The best way to reach me is via my website. It's www.3x5coaching. That's 3x5coaching.com. And you can, uh, there's, there's a lot of contact information on there. You can read about me. There's um, articles I've wrote and anything else you want to know. And then my book is available on website as well you can find the link to my book there it's on amazon or go to amazon directly i also have a website specifically for the book which is called www.thespiritofselling.com and there's extra resources available there for the people that um, are interested more in my book well Rhonda, thank you for taking time to share your experience and wisdom with us those laws and 
just giving us a new perspective on how to attract the right kind of talent. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Oh, it was great to be with you, Mac. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thanks for taking the time to listen to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast. I hope you enjoy listening to these as much as I enjoy making them. I've learned so much from the guests we've had on the show over the past few years, and I hope that you will continue to listen to us regularly. If you are a subscriber on any podcast app or channel, would you do us a favor and take a moment and leave us a review? We would really, really appreciate it. Also, if you have the time, check out all the offerings we have on our website, which is thebossbuilders.com. We have every other month a Sherm Credit webinar that we present, as well as a ton of other events, not to mention our Art of the Great Boss and Art of Being a Great Teammate programs. More information on that site today. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Oh, by the way, you may want to unbuckle that seatbelt. I think we just arrived at the gate. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast. We hope you found something today that will relieve your stress, feed your soul, and pump you up to face another day. At Boss Builders, we want to let you know that we appreciate the hard work you do every day as an HR professional. And as a reminder, always make sure to adjust your own oxygen mask before attempting to help those around you. Be well. <laughs>